Hey, this is Sharon Trivata, and welcome back to the Business School Podcast. And if you sell anything, this is a good episode for you. Today, I'm going to talk about the four words that don't sell. In fact, not only are these words uh, words that trigger and could be perceived as harsh, but these are four words that are manipulative. And even though they may get you a sale, they're going to get you a sale filled with resentment. I'm going to tell you exactly how I found this out the hard way and how you can recognize them and actually change the way you position them so that they give you the best results possible. I'm going to break down the four words and what to do with them and how you can sell a lot more stuff by utilizing them well. And it all starts right now. One thing is for certain. Just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to, how to grow your business, how to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Srivatsa, and welcome to Business School. Okay, today I'm going to talk about four words that don't sell. All right, four words that don't sell. And now the reason I'm sharing the sales stuff is because I've had a chance to sell a lot of stuff over uh, a long period of time. I also have had a lot of sales training to understand what to do and what not to do. But ever since the growth of social media and snippets on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and uh, LinkedIn, videos of people just regurgitating other stuff they have heard or read. I think this is a good frame for just to bring some awareness just to see if something that I'm sharing gives you some context around, hmm, am I doing that or do I teach that? Uh, is Do I believe that? So what I'm sharing with you is not what, uh, there's no law, but I want to bring some awareness because maybe this will help you think about how to make your stuff better, how to make your stuff tighter, how to make your stuff received uh, a lot more holistically. So uh, please take it from that perspective. And I'll tell you the story of how all of this came about. Uh, these are four words that are actually manipulative and may get you a sale, but are actually filled with resentment. All right. It may get you a sale. It may be great closing, but it's actually filled with resentment at the other end. Uh, so three things that uh, I want to, in my notes, I wrote down to cover with you today. Number one, the first are two crutch words that will make grandma mad, but she'll never tell you. Second, two closing words that fake agreement, because the last thing you want to do at a closing table is to fake agreement, get the sale, and then hand off the nightmare. A lot of times, you know, in our last business, my, my team will tell me, oh, it's super easy. You know, the last thing we want to do is uh, sell the dream and then service the nightmare. <laughs> and you don't want to do that because that is fake agreement. And the last part is, when is it cool to use these? Because there is always, um, always and never are uh, belief system words, but there's always a time, a right time to use and utilize certain techniques and mechanisms, when is the right time to actually do that? So to give you the entire uh, rationale for me recording this short episode was my time at Goldman Sachs. Um, for if you are not familiar with Goldman Sachs, they are the number one investment bank merchant bank in the world. They've been that way for the last, I don't know, 50, 100 years. And uh, 
it took me uh, 39 one-on-one -on -one individual interviews after my MBA program at Vanderbilt to actually get the job at Goldman. When I say 39 one-on-one -on -one interviews, I mean 39 pre-scheduled official individual one-on-one -on -one interviews in different parts of the country during my process. This does not include coffee meetings. This does not include dinners. This does not include phone conversations. This does not include other stuff. 39 individual one-on-one -on -one interviews, right? So they are, uh, that, <laughs> that either means they had a lot of doubts about me or they're very thorough, um, either way. And uh, in my, and the funny part is what, uh, what came after. What came after was that 31 MBAs, which after my MBA program, 31 MBAs from around the world um, were part of the training program. So they trained us for over six, seven months in New York City. And um, we were not even allowed to talk to a client. Seven months of just hardcore training, right? And uh, it is, we were told that they spent uh, close to a million dollars per person uh, for each of our training. So they literally spent $31 million in seven months to train each one, each one of us because we were going to be, you know, significant brand ambassadors because I was calling on CEOs of public companies. And so uh, during, during my time there, uh, I got, I was fortunate because it, quote, low man on the totem pole. I was fortunate to get uh, a 15 minute 10-minute one-on-one, it was not even 15 minutes, 10-minute one-on-one with the then CEO of Goldman Sachs. His name was Lloyd Blankfein. Uh, I mean, he had grown up in the ranks at Goldman, super smart guy. And um, I got I had 10 minutes with him. And during my time with him, I, you know, of course, I prepared for the time with him, etc. He told me a couple of things. Uh, the first thing he told me is what, what I'm going to share with you today. This was the this was the fundamental part of the conversation. This was the first thing he told me. He's like, uh, he said, Sharon, nobody on my watch is going to use these four words at Goldman. I, I mean, imagine that. He said that on my watch, nobody at Goldman Sachs will use these four words. I was like, I really want to know what it is. One, because I don't want to use it. Get fired. Two, like, what are these that you think that the number one investment bank in the world, number one financial institution in the world it should not should not utilize and i really wanted to know so uh i'm going to tell you not my ideas but what lloyd blankfein the ceo of goldman sachs told me and by the way if, if it works for him there's a good chance it's going to be important for you to consider because um all of our collective knowledge combined he's not just wealthier uh and not just more successful but he also like he's the ceo like that's you should you should pay attention to this, right? So here's my way of sharing what I learned with you. First, so of the three things that I uh, want to tell you today, first, the two the two words that make grandma mad. Literally, that's exactly what he told me. He says, "Sharon, these are the two words that make grandma mad." And by the way, I love my grandma; like she's fantastic, and I don't want to make my grandma mad. And she's and and I said I was wondering what that was, and he's like, "Makes sense, makes sense." He goes, you, would you ever tell your grandma, does that make sense? You would never, you would, and never is a bad word. You would not tell your grandma that because telling your grandma that is just rude because it undermines her intellectual capability. Make sense are the, are just the, the, the harshest words that you could use, 
right? Especially in a sales context. So uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, let's say I was going to open a, a bank account for my son, Neil. You can say, hey, so Sharon, we're gonna open your bank account. Then uh, right now you're gonna deposit your million dollars and then you're gonna have access to your app and you could do whatever you want with it. Make sense? No, it like, well, of course, duh, I clear, of course it makes sense. Why are you saying stuff that already makes sense, right? And it's so painful because it undermines the other party's intelligence. Like you just told me, I was gonna fill out some paperwork, I was gonna wire a million dollars that you don't have, and then have, and I'm gonna have access to it, which I should, which of course, that's what I accept. Of course it makes sense. So when the answer on the other end is of course it makes sense, there's no reason for you to say the word makes sense because you're undermining their intelligence, right? Uh, in NLP, they'll call it a check close, right? And that's fine, but that's manipulative. Like you're manipulating that person. And it is, think about it, if you, you would just keep check closing to grandma, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. And the crazy part is we've started to use makes sense as a crutch word. We don't even know that we're doing it. We just use makes sense all the time, blah, 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 makes sense. Well, of course it makes sense. As the answer is, of course, you shouldn't even be asking for it, right? There's probably a much better way, a much smoother way to ask for it because it undermines their intelligence. Because it, the, at the end of the day, it's like, makes sense, you dummy. Just add the you dummy on the other end. Because if, if I said, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this, does that sound good? Right? That's interesting. Because if you say, does that sound good, you dummy? No, it doesn't, it doesn't flow. But makes sense, you dummy. That's, that's harsh, right? So makes sense is a manipulative authority frame. It's basically saying, I know something you don't. Of course, this has to make sense. So I'm going to ask you that it makes sense to make myself feel better about myself. There's no reason to do that, right? Uh, so the question I, you know, that, that Lloyd Blankfein told me, the CEO of Goldman Sachs told me, he's like, we should think twice before it's used, especially with grandma, right? It's, it's why would you do that? And, and the reason was, a lot of times when we're selling, we're selling something so that the other person can buy it, right? They clearly have the means and the capability to buy something. They're not dumb. Now, if you're selling to an extremely dumb audience and you want your authority frame for the sale and you have to manipulate it a little bit and that's what you need to do, okay, that makes, <laughs> that quote makes sense. And I'll actually reference why I just used that. that that, that makes sense. That's cool, right? But how big a jerk would I be to tell the CEO of Coca-Cola, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this and this to your stock price. Makes sense? Like, he's the CEO of Coca-Cola, right? That was my job at Goldman. So I think it's super important to respect your prospects or your clients' intelligence and be extremely careful about the words that we use because... It, it there's no reason for a uh, manipulative authority frame. And most of the time we use those words because we just haven't come up with better language for ourselves to actually communicate better. Now, once again, this is just a suggestion. Uh, a lot of people will get triggered by this and I'm offering you uh, some perspective to see if we, whether you're using it as a crutch word, whether you're using it as a manipulative authority frame, which you're, tr which you intend not to, but if you are, that's great. At least you're doing it intentionally, and that's okay. But my suggestion is just 
if you hear the words make sense or if you utilize them in a uh in in a in a in a sales process or a check close process just just watch that because it's very easily triggering for the other person all right by the way if you use make sense with me i'll punch you in the face right because of course i it makes sense to me um and if if the not all the time but it's irritating right especially since i've spent a lot of time uh thinking about this but a lot people get visceral reactions with this stuff so the last thing you want in a sales context is to trigger a visceral reaction because then it instantly increases resistance and they shut down right there's no reason for that uh and um i'll give you a couple of words that the warmth and the feeling that you want them to generate in just a second so uh lloyd blankfein told me uh, that out of the four words that he says no one would use on my watch at goldman sachs the first two are make sense. Uh here's the next two. Now after he told me this I was like hi 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 what is he going to tell me about the next two? And he said this which is really uh powerful. He said uh we never use the words fair enough. Fair enough. So if you ever um so this this the words fair enough in a closing context uh you know is the the straight line closing methods originally um popularized by the wolf of wall street jordan belford it, the 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 fair enough closing frame has been around uh generation so like jordan belford didn't come up with it right it's been around for a long time but he popularized it because that was his jam and he uh, always he always found a way to be a really great negotiator and i'll talk about that in just one second so this fair enough frame goes goes like this it is actually the fake give So for example, let's say you were uh you were selling a car. So let's say you were the car salesman and um and Sharon was buying the car. You would say uh you'd say hey Sharon it's it's you know it's $100,000. I'd be like hey man, I can't do the 100,000. That was not my budget blah blah. blah. He get, and you say what about you know what about this and this and you can throw that in. He goes all right. Uh I'll let's do this. I'll the car is 100,000, but I'm going to throw in uh the sport pack i'm going to throw in free service and i'm also going to give you $10,000 off fair enough did you see what i did there right so i i gave you a bunch of things and then i just shut it down i just shut it down and made you feel like i was being really fair so there was no i didn't allow for any more because now if the if the prospect asks for anything more they're they're being jerks so it is the fake give and shut down right and so it's the fair enough and it's an interesting thing because the fair enough is a forced is a is is a is a forced fairness frame like you're you're saying oh yeah that's fair and so interestingly so i said so lloyd blank from when he was talking to me he's like yeah so he's like shron so if i told you hey uh we're going to take your company public we're going to charge you a million dollar fee we're going to do this and i and and i and you argued and i'd say well all right how about this uh we'll take a company public we'll do it for uh half a million dollars fair enough and he goes what is the first words that come to mind for you and i said well maybe for you maybe for you if you think about that for a second fair enough fair enough is a is the fake give it's a very um it 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 is it is a manipulative closing frame because you're shutting down the prospects need to want to argue some more now it's framed as when you say fair enough they if it doesn't feel fair they're going to bubble up and say no i need to think about it or no you it it actually forces the the most the strongest objection to come to the surface which you can hopefully uh, address but 
there are other ways to get that, right? So for example, uh, if if you can say, hey, uh, so Sharon, assume that uh, we got the price from 100K to 90K and we also got the sport package throw, thrown in. Um, is there anything else that's, uh, is there anything else that's preventing us from uh, putting a plan together for us to work together today, right? So you could do it where you could pull out the, is you know, it's called the anything else frame. You could say, hey, I'll give you this and I'll give you this cool is there anything else that's preventing us from putting a plan to work together today is there anything else preventing us from getting uh this process started to get you you know get you the car you want today that's a cool soft frame like at the end of that frame you don't feel like i took advantage of you i still gave and then i still pulled out i'm asking what the next objection was right so you don't have to force the objection to bubble to the surface with the fair enough close you just have there's a lot of other softer warmer kinder ways to do it and you just have to figure out if that's your jam or not right so uh you may be asking well all right sharon that's all interesting you just told me two four words that i use often but i've used them well it worked really well for me etc well cool i'm so glad they work for you if you think they work for you fantastic don't let me don't let me change that at all but I will tell you that for make sense and fair enough to actually work, uh, you should have you should have really really good language patterns and unbelievable tonality, right? If I said because fair enough as as a a harsh fair enough is a total jerk, but a but a soft fair enough it can be actually accepted well and most people can't do the fair enough well because the, the wolf of wall street did it I, I can't believe i'm saying this but did it did it pretty well right and um the tonality is really important around that and so it's not just memorizing a bunch of words it's having so much language mastery that you also have the warmth and the tonality that you can get with that that actually like activates their feeling of safety around this stuff when the big part of negotiation and closing frames is that it wa you want to create a you want to uh, create intellectual understanding of it but also create emotional safety that's what the frames are for right the emotional safety is what allows them to say yes internally and want to do the next step and they intellectually process how to say the yes so the emotional safety is the component not the like not the intellectual like hey i got i got this let me make this a logical argument for you so uh those were the four words that lloyd blankfein told me that no one on his watch ever uses at goldman sachs makes sense and fair enough he told me those and i'm sharing those with you do i think that they can be used in various contexts and done thoughtfully yes i think so but let me give you the over the last kind of 10 years i've been wondering this so let me give you part three of this puzzle when can they be used and why is this important i've been thinking a lot about like make sense and fair enough and i'm like there is a construct for this like there is a place for this what where is this place and I'll, let me give you this story so recently i was talking to my advisors uh financial advisors and you know wealth advisors russ uh russ morgan and joey murray russ and joey are phenomenal um they run wealth without wall street they're you know they they have this amazing power of making money more accessible to us and uh, understanding of it creating passive income around it creating legacy and generational wealth around it and i was talking to russ and joey and they were helping me quote build my own bank so a big part of the next generation of what i want to do with my family is do this concept of a uh, of a bank for my for our family which is 
our family will have a bank uh, that we don't have to go to Bank of America. We can borrow from our own bank. Our bank will fund whatever our family needs. And while Russ and Joey were helping me set up the structure, they were using a very cool um, uh, construct called infinite banking. And it is a it is how to use uh, the construct of a of a life insurance policy, but not for the sales benefit of the salesperson making commission. It is for the benefit of using the construct of a life insurance policy in the lowest possible debt benefit to 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 utilize it as a container to use it as a cash flow system as a bank. And while Russ and Joey were explaining this to me, I totally understood it. And after they had finished explaining this to me on one call, I said the words, oh yeah, that makes sense. I said the words as a recipient of the information. They didn't say, Sharon, does that make sense? I said the words, yeah, that makes sense. You know why? Because that is the ultimate, that is the ultimate utilization of those words because it's an acceptance frame. Makes sense, what I learned between make sense and fairness is those are not negotiation frames or closing frames or sales frames. Those are acceptance frames because when you can get somebody to feel that, then you have you've gotten through to them at the deepest level. So the first word out of my mouth when Russ and Joey were explaining this to me was I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. They didn't have to ask me. They didn't have to check clothes. They didn't have to say, Sharon, does that make sense? I naturally said, yeah, that makes sense. I from an acceptance frame perspective said that makes sense. And that's, I think, what we should be striving for is those words should come out of our prospect's mouth. Because when we say, oh, we're going to do this, this, and this, the prospect needs to say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because then you know that they're tracking with you intellectually and they have emotional safety as well, which is ultra powerful, right? So that's on the make sense component. But what about on the fairness component? Here's a story for you. So... Uh, recently, my uh, my son Neil, who's roughly ten, my daughter Laura, who's roughly six, were fighting, and I just watched the fight. I like I like watching them fight for a little bit, which is kind of fun. It gives them it gives them resilience, character, and teaches them human interaction because I don't like breaking up everything. And it it was based on what they were going to watch on TV in their TV time, right? So Neil wanted to watch a specific show, which is he wanted to watch. Um, uh, the, the the Marvel movies so he wanted to watch like I think uh, Avengers Endgame or something like that and then Lara my daughter wanted to watch something else right so Neil's like what well, Lara we need to watch like I really want to watch Avengers Endgame Lara's like no I don't want to watch End, uh, Endgame we will always use your stuff I want to watch I want to watch Supergirl and Neil's like Lara just let's just watch Endgame it's like two and a half hours then we can watch Supergirl Lara's like no Neil you always get your way we always do your stuff first that's like I don't want to do that Neil's like Lara let's just watch Endgame and then we'll watch your stuff Lara's like no no I want to watch I want I want to watch Supergirl and then this is what Neil says Neil's like all right Lara how about this let's watch Endgame today and for the next three days you can watch Supergirl and you know what Lara responded she's like okay that's fair Okay, fair enough. Okay, that's fair. Now, if you think about it, what what was different there? That was an acceptance frame. Neil didn't say, hey, Lara, how about this? Let me watch Avengers right now, and for the next three days, you can watch uh, Supergirl. Fair enough? 
No, he didn't say that. He was not. That was not a closing frame. It, the, the fairness was an acceptance frame. Laura said, fair enough. And then what did that do? It brought both of them together because they never had to talk about it again. They never feel manipulated. And they. it was not like they. she accepted. So she's congruent with the acceptance. And then they never fought about that topic again, right? Because it was a great acceptance frame. Now, Again, if you watch your tonality and watch how it's positioned, I think it'll work. I think it'll work well. Uh, please know this. The job is not to crush the objection. Like I've seen people go up on stage and do this objection handler stuff in big conferences and they have these scripts memorized and they always you know, handle the objection. It is rarely like that in real life. Yes, you need to have some frameworks for how you handle the objection, but objection handling and selling are a very human process, right? You're selling belly to belly, face to face. Like it is a very, very human process. And the warmth around it is super important. Just because you memorize a closing frame by saying, oh yeah, uh, as soon as I get to the closing frame, I give a little bit and then I say, hey, fair enough. Like if you do that, that's 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 a very small-minded way of of creating transformation for others. There's so many other possibilities. So um, when when gurus out there teach you stuff uh, and you pick up an idea, don't just immediately take it and be like, okay, that's my be all end all. Take a second to think about it because selling face-to-face, belly-to-belly is a very human thing. Um, I will tell you this, the more expensive or the more complex the sale, the easier it is when the feeling, uh, when this feeling bubbles up, and I told you that I would tell you this, the more expensive the sale or more complex the sale is, when I'm working on it, I want the person when I leave or when they're done to say these things. Oh my gosh, that was so easy. Oh my gosh, he's so nice. Now, that may sound not capitalistic. That may sound not aggressive, but this is what I want them to say in their heads. Oh my gosh, that was so easy. Oh my gosh, he is so nice. If you can do that, right? It doesn't matter. You will you will ref, you will change all the things that you say to ensure that the prospect of the client says, "Oh my gosh, that was so easy. Oh my gosh, he is so nice." Nobody wants to do business like nobody wants to do business with the jerk. Okay, being nice is a feeling of comfort. It's a comfort and safety. And it's a comfort of not feeling manipulated. And easy. What is easy? It is the it is the up acceptance of understanding value. They think it's easy because what? They've accepted. They've accepted and understood the value that you provided. And they know exactly what happens next. Uh, easiest way to get them to feel easy is give them... Uh, good. give them a good understanding of what happens next. And they're always, when they know what happens next, they don't feel like they're walking into an abyss, right? So anytime I'm coming up with like a, a sales presentation or scripting or dialogues or like a presentation or I want someone to take action, I'm thinking, I want like, I how do I, I'm not trying to blow their minds. I'm not trying to uh, solve, I'm not trying to crush the objections. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to do any of that. I just want them to feel this. I want them in their heads to say, oh my gosh, that was so easy. Oh my gosh, he's so nice. Right? That's all I want them to say. And I, because that allows me to know that they have taken something so expensive and so complex and they're going to entrust me with it. Because what's the point at the end of the day? To sell more stuff? No. Like if you think that's what it is, you're dramatically mistaken. 
It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with somebody entrusting you with something so that they can have a better life. Whether entrusting you with their with their children, with their company, with their products, with their services, with their money, with their future, with their health. That, because I want them to be able to say, oh my gosh, that was so easy to understand, to accept, to 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 see what it'll do. And oh my gosh, he's so nice. Like, he's a nice person. Now, I'm not saying nice people sell stuff. That's not what I mean. You may finish second because of this. But if you can have... If you can see at the end of the day that you don't insult grandma and your 97 check closes because you said, oh, yeah, that does that make sense? Like, it's not worthwhile, right? So for me, a lot of it, again, this is my perspective I'm just sharing because hopefully it's helpful to you, is I want to see if I if they can bubble up and say the words, oh, my gosh, that was so easy. Oh, my gosh, he's so nice. Um, so let me give you a 10-second recap on the stuff. Number one, be soft with triggering with strong triggering language and for that it's important to know strong triggering language tie downs check closes all the nlp stuff they're good but just just know how to use them and uh, when i say be soft using them well soft language tonality is really important just memorizing the script's not good enough how you deliver strong triggering words are really important as well all right number two uh consider when something is presented to you whether it's a better sales frame or whether it's a better acceptance frame, right? Oh, that makes sense. Is an accept? It's a good acceptance frame. It could it be a good sales frame? Sure, but then you just have to watch how it's presented and the tonality around it. And number three, uh, selling is a skill. It, you know, it's not just words. You can't just memorize a bunch of stuff and then use it to sell. It's got a lot to do with wrapping language into warmth and tonality. And it, it, honestly, it's just hard to do. So just by hearing a snippet of someone teaching you something on, on social media or YouTube or on a podcast, it, very similar to this, what I'm trying to tell you is not memorize three closing frames. It's just give you a little bit of awareness that selling is a skill and it has to be taken seriously. And it's not just words. Yeah, the words you say matter, but the warmth and tonality matters more, especially when the more expensive the product is and the more complex the service offering is. Right. If I triggered you, that's probably a good thing, because if makes sense and fair enough triggered you, you can only imagine how much it triggers Jim, Jack, Johnny and your grandma. There is no reason for it. All I'm suggesting is that if you tend to use those, just have some awareness around how they're coming out and how you're positioning them and the warmth and tonality of how you use them, because if it challenged you, it probably is challenging other people cool hey i hope this was helpful and uh and i hope this gives you a, a few thoughts on how the one of the most powerful ceos in the world uh, has mandated these four words not be used in his organization uh, i'm not telling you to do that but i am sh sharing that it may be worth some consideration i hope this is helpful if this was helpful just do me a favor dm me on instagram and say hey sharon listen to that episode i don't agree with you <laughs> or Hey, Sean, I listened to that episode. That was interesting. It brought me some awareness. Either way, I hope that my entire purpose of this episode was just to give you the perspective that there are some things out there that can trigger people. And the most important thing for me uh, when I build uh, a sales process or language around it is for them to think at the end, oh my gosh, that was so easy. Oh my gosh, he is so nice. When you do those, you create an insane amount of safety 
for the prospect or the client and you can you can serve them in unimaginable ways after that Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. Since you like this podcast, I actually have an ultra super secret private podcast that I make just for my partner companies and the CEOs and influencers that I advise. It's called 10K Wisdom because I try to wrap $10,000 worth of value in every single episode in just under 10 minutes. That's why it's called 10K Wisdom. It's raw, it's real, it's got no intro or outro or anything like that. It's just straight to the point and to the insights. Since you like this podcast, I think you will like that. So for the first time, I'm making it available to you. Just go to 10kwisdom.com, the number 10kwisdom.com, and my team will activate it for you as my gift. Go to 10kwisdom.com. I'll see you there.